Hello, my name is Dean Bobar, and I am the Adult Life Minister at Christ Pacific Church in Huntington Beach, California. As a church, we are seeking to cultivate a vibrant community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world so our neighbors may also experience God's goodness. You're listening to our Year in the Bible podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us or to subscribe to this podcast, visit us at cpchb.org. For this week's podcast, I'm going to be covering the two books, Ezra and Nehemiah. It makes a lot of sense to review these two books at the same time. The leadership and ministries of Ezra and Nehemiah are intertwined in the books that bear their respective names. Moreover, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah share the same twin themes of return and restoration. Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther are set in post-exilic, that is, after the exile, times, and share the same perspective as First and Second Chronicles. They're part of what's called the Chronicler's History. Let's unpack these two books in terms of these themes, looking at the connections between Ezra and Nehemiah. First, we're going to explore together Ezra, both the person and the book. Ezra is a priest from the line of Aaron who does not show up until chapters 7 through 10 of the book with a second return of God's people to the promised land. Sheshbazar, who is a prince from the royal line of David, led the first return in 538 BC and took part in the reconstruction of the temple. God's people were able to do this because of God's sovereign action in prompting the Persian emperor Cyrus to decree the permission of the Jews to return to the promised land and to rebuild the temple in 539 BC, a year earlier. The prophets Haggai and Zechariah also assisted in this work of rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. The return to the promised land and the restoration of the Jerusalem temple had been promised to God's people by his prophets. We will see the restoration of the city of Jerusalem in Nehemiah. However, we don't see at the end of the Old Testament, as we're getting near the end, such things as the restoration of the Davidic throne, the establishment of a new covenant with God's people, the pouring out of God's spirit on God's people, and the new creation. We have to wait to the New Testament to see these things begin to unfold. Ezra chapter 7 through 9, 7 through 10 chronicles the leadership and ministry of Ezra after the place of God's presence among God's people is restored. Ezra returns in 458 BC. Now the emphasis in this latter part of the book is on restoring the covenant community. Ezra Ezra's leadership includes teaching and directing people to know and obey the laws God laid out in the Mosaic Covenant. You might recall those laws being found in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The people of God needed at this time a fresh teaching and application of the law of Moses as they were returning and rebuilding in God's promised land. We saw a similar dynamic in Deuteronomy as Moses led the people in covenant renewal before entering the land several hundred years earlier. Now let's turn our attention to Nehemiah and the book named after him, although Ezra is still present in this second book. The themes of return and restoration continue to be important here. While Ezra is concerned with the restoration of the temple and the people, Nehemiah's focal point is the restoration of the city and the people. Again, the renewal of the covenant people is paramount. The book begins with the third return from exile, the third major one, in approximately 445 B.C. 
as we saw in Ezra, God's sovereign hand is involved in Nehemiah's return and ministry. The temple had been restored a few generations earlier. Now it is the city of Jerusalem that needs rebuilding. Specifically, the walls of the city need to be rebuilt, and Nehemiah leads the people in this endeavor. The restoration of a city's walls was key to restoring the city itself after a time of crisis and exile. Because of Nehemiah's position as a royal cupbearer to the Persian emperor, Nehemiah was able to influence the ruler for God's purposes. This was a continuation of God moving the emperors of the Persian Empire to make decrees and to act in the favor of God's people. Nehemiah had some power and prestige, but he was most concerned with God's purposes for his people. Also, Nehemiah is seen by readers to be a man of prayer who purposefully and prayerfully works before, during, and after the work of rebuilding the city walls. Also, Nehemiah is a contemporary of Ezra, and together, God used them in mighty ways to restore his people. In the latter part of the book, chapters 7 through 13, the emphasis shifts from the restoration of the city to that of the people, focusing on key practical matters for God's people. As in the second part of Ezra, the focus is on the dedication of God's people to God's covenant with them. Let's read Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 to see how these dynamics are all at work. This passage says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to rebuild, to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold, with goods and with beasts, besides freewill offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Note the emphasis at the beginning of the book on fulfillment. God was fulfilling his promise to Jeremiah that the exile in God's people in Judah would only last 70 years. See Jeremiah chapter 29 for that. God's fulfillment comes not in mighty acts of deliverance here, but through a mysterious sovereignty that moves their overlords. It is interesting to see the motivations of Cyrus. In contrast with previous emperors in the ancient Near East, the Persian emperors, beginning with Cyrus, don't seek to coerce their vassals. Instead, they seek to curry their favor by helping them have local restoration, if possible, under their own rulers and in their own ways. This political strategy worked in the favor of God's people. The decree of Cyrus, which has been found in the Cyrus Cylinder, a version of it, gives permission for God's people to return and rebuild the temple and even supports them in the rebuilding work. See especially verse 4 of chapter 1. The restoration that affects that God affects happens through the social and political context of empire. It is also opposed by many different peoples and groups in the promised land. It's not an easy ta task, but God was certainly at work in these two books. Through them, through Ezra and Nehemiah, 
and their books, we can learn about God's gracious restoration and the renewal of God's people. Thanks so much for joining us for our Year in the Bible podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our Year in the Bible campaign to subscribe or learn how you can become engaged with us as a church, please visit us at cpchb.org.